When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello, welcome, and it's the PHNX Cardinals podcast, your premier Arizona Cardinal podcast. Like and subscribe, leave us a five-star wherever you get your programming. I'm Johnny Venerable, joined by PHNX Cardinal beat reporter Howard Bolzer. Howard, we are less than a week away from the start of training camp, opening up. It's 120 degrees outside here in Phoenix, yet the pressure and the heat, I don't know, is it cranking up on the Cardinals to play Kyler Murray? Let's talk about that. Let's talk about K1's imminent return. I mean, what do you think right now is realistic for Cardinal fans when it comes to Kyler Murray playing football this year? You know, I was on with Bo, I guess it was, you know, last week. And, you know, we both fell in in kind of the, you know, the six to eight week uh, range. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's kind of, no matter what Kyler wants, I mean, it's not like it's his decision. And sure, I mean, they want to get him on the field as soon as he possibly can. But you also have to be smart. And, and one of the things, and the way I look at it, Johnny, is that Kyler Murray has played in recent seasons before last year when he's either been injured or coming back from an injury. And he wasn't the same guy. And I've maintained that when he had that high ankle sprain in 2021, he came back too soon uh, from that, and he wasn't the same player. And so I think it comes down to the team, how Kyler feels, and what the medical uh, people say. I mean, I, I think we can't overreact to because he's running straight ahead. I mean, it comes down, well, how, how, you know, how's he cutting? How's his quickness? All of those things that, that are a big part uh, of his game. And so – it's and and we're just let's be honest man we're just guessing i mean we're not yeah. doctors i mean we we don't know how you know certainly there's there's been there's been very good progress and yeah. by all accounts he's worked very hard uh, to get where he is right now but i have a story that's going up pretty soon on 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 phnx and there was a quote in there from zach ertz who said back in april no one's asking about him well when's he going to be back well you know he had he had his injury torn ACL 29 days before Kyler, but he also didn't have the meniscus involved in it. And that complicated Kyler's surgery a little bit. Now he was able, I mean, I was told at the time and Kyler revealed this in the flight plan last week that he was told before the surgery that he could, he'd have to be on crutches for six weeks and wouldn't be able to put weight on his leg. And then he said, Hey, I, I was in the training room the next day and they were allowing me to put weight on it. So that's yeah. good. But yeah. if he wasn't able to do that, who it, it would it could have delayed this even you know longer than it was longer than it, it's going to be. And and so anyways, Zach Ertz said that you know the one thing about these rehabs, it's not linear. You know, it's not like okay, every day is progress. Every day, a lot of times there's progress, and then there's a step back. Then there's yeah. more progress, and then another step back. 
it's the way these things are. But it behooves everyone that he, you know, he shouldn't be out there until he's as close to 100 percent as possible. Yes, you can say, well, if he's in the 90s, he's still Kyler Murray. Well, if he's in the 90s, maybe he's a quarter step slower than he would be when he's 100 percent. How does that affect his play? So there's all the because the worst thing you want to have happen, Johnny, is that he goes out there and re-injures himself. Of course. Because, because, you know, with all the controversy about what Steve Kimes said, the one thing he said that was absolutely 100% right on is the Cardinals are in a little bit of a predicament with all this. When he's going to play, what's the team look like at that point? Because if, if in fact, and this is all speculation, everyone's talking about, if they want to move on from him next year, depending on where their pick is and the Caleb Williams deal and all that, the only way it can really happen is if they can trade him because of the money against the cap that would be there, you know, if they, if they would just move on and release him, I don't think that's realistic. So, but the only way to trade him is if he comes back, plays well and stays healthy. So Mm -hmm. that's the fine line in this situation that makes it very difficult to, I mean, we can all spitball and say, Oh, I think this, I think that, but in all, in all truthfulness, we just have to let it play out. Yep, and if they can't trade him, and they're not going to move off of him if he comes back and plays well, because they're winning yeah. games, and I, I think exactly. you know that's that's been the the main kind of focus point. Um, you know, Kyler, I I do believe is is hell bent on returning sooner rather than later, and I I do think that it was smart in the off season to not put a timeline on it when we've connected with Austin Ford and Gannon. It's very much. We're just going to wait and see. We're because that's what you should do. Like two, three, four months after surgery, people heal differently. People have different recovery timelines. It's, it's not a case by case basis. But as as there are, you know, some folks out there that are that are giving their opinion in the medical field and watching Kyler Murray in flight plan, seeing how he's moving. Uh, there are a couple takes out there that say he could be on track w- for a let's just call it a standard Joe Burrow. Uh, Robert Griffin III, Carson Wentz type of recovery timeline, which would put him within nine months. So at the end of yesterday's show, this came from Kyle Odegaard on Twitter. He had an opportunity to connect with a physician that he sourced in the tweet. This is from Kyle. Had a good chat chat with FB Injury Doc yesterday. Check him out on Twitter. He said Kyler's straight line sprinting is encouraging, plus likely signifies no setbacks. And I I would agree with the latter of that. Look, if, if Kyler had suffered a setback at this point we would have heard about it uh howard and so he goes on to say week one is going to be like eight months and a week from surgery date so a little bit over eight months will be week one against the commanders i'm starting to think he may not even start the season on pup so i want to digest that real quick howard because there's there's twofold for that so pup to start the season would put him out at least four weeks the earliest he could come back would be i think week five against cincinnati however he can start training camp on PUP and still not be placed on PUP for the start of the season. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. But here's the caveat. If he is on in-season PUP, you don't just come off that and play the next week because you can't practice. You can't practice when you're on PUP. And that to me is the biggest question that should have been, and I've said this and I said it here with Bo and I've said it on the podcast, I've written it, that everyone asks, when's he going to play? My biggest question, when's he going to practice? Because mm-hmm. get on the field, work with the new players, work with the new system, you know, really start getting into stuff. Because And once the season starts, I mean, you're getting the other quarterback ready to play, and there's not that many practice wet reps during the season. 
And so, but to answer your question about in season, that's correct. If he would start on PUP next week, let's say, you can come off that at any time prior to the cut to 53, which is on August 29th, and then begin practicing. I mean, my suggestion, I believe that even if they don't have a true idea, you know, a real solid thing of when they think he'll be able to play, I say don't put him on PUP anyway. Right, I wouldn't. You know, let him do something. I mean, even if it's just, you know, dropping back a few steps and and throwing the ball in walkthroughs, things like that. You can't do that. Yes, you can do some stuff on the side, but that's not working with this offense. And so that's another predicament the Cardinals are in, and they've got to make that decision next week if he opens on, you know, because if he doesn't, because basically what going on PUP means is you haven't passed the physical. Well, you you know, once camp starts, you take a physical, and you can't yeah. delay that. You've got to make a decision almost right away. So, you know, that's also part of this whole conundrum, if you will, uh, that that they are in. And and to your point of, you know, Kyle's point, of, I, I spoke to a doctor too. And, and I spoke to a guy named David, Dr. David Chow, who yeah. is on the internet. He's on Twitter. He has a website. He was a team physician for the San Diego Chargers for 17 years. And, you know, he is basically told, you know, said, he said to me right from the start that meniscus could delay things and, because he has to be on crutches. And we just don't know until the surgery happens. And he was right on with that because that's what doctors were telling Kyler. It turned out not to be the case. But he also said that it really doesn't move up the timeline. It could have made it longer if he had had to be on crutches uh, for six weeks. So that was a good thing. There's no yeah. doubt about it. But he still says all those aspects. And he's been in all, Johnny, he's been in those decisions with teams. When the team is, you know, you know, chiming in, the players talking about how he feels, the medical people are saying what, 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 what they feel. And so he still believes it's, it's, it's going to be week four to week eight, you know, somewhere yeah. in there. But he, but that is still a little bit of a guess because he hasn't, you know, seen the reports or, see, you know, seen the medical results or any of those things. And so, yeah. uh, but, you know, it, it's certainly good where he is now. There's no doubt about that. But there, there's still, you know, there's still a good ways to go in terms of doing all those other things that, that he has to do. And then how, how does he feel when he starts really cutting? And is he truly doing that at full speed, which obviously you have to do uh, when, you know, when, when you're in a game and, and, and you're trying to escape pressure. So, you know, all those things are hard. They're hard to simulate in football, obviously, in practice. We saw actually, David, at the NFL Media Day or for, for Radio Row uh, during the Super Bowl. And he told Bonai, he said that Kyler probably will be ready to play from the pocket week one, but it's everything right. else. And I think to your point, Howard, he was with the Chargers. I don't know if he was with the Chargers when Phillip Rivers tore his ACL against the Colts, but Phillip played that next week against the Patriots and then went on and had a normal offseason. You know, all things considered, he, he was ready for that next year. And I think Phillip was a pocket passer, right? right. Joe Burrow's a, a pocket passer. And that that's the biggest caveat. But it, it's kind of ironic because Kyler Murray wants to be a pocket passer and only use his legs as, as necessary. I think he wants to be some kind of a rendition of, of what Russell Wilson was in his heyday in Seattle, like run when it's necessary, when it's needed, but be somebody that can sit in the pocket and throw 35, 40 times a game. And I think like that's frustrating for Cardinal fans because he's like, well, Kyler's better than what we have operating out of the pocket, even with 
80%, 85%. But there's some good comments here in the chat I want to get to him. Jose saying learning the playbook and getting that muscle memory with the O-line is crucial to the time he needed for uh, playing behind center. False start, a misalignment, all starts with cohesive timing. Chase saying give him as many mental reps as possible. This is a new offense, too. This is not Cliff Kingsbury's offense that he, quote-unquote, had mastered. This is something that he needs, Howard, to your point, as much on-field work, whatever that looks like as possible, and, and putting him on the PUP would really kind of hamper that. And then you look at, like, what he's doing with his dad during flight plan, albeit, like, you know, standing still. He's got helmet and shoulder pads on. It's like, okay, well, let him do some rendition of that and ramp it up. Um, so we've got the Odegaard tweet. I want to get to this other one here, Jacob, if we've got it, from Dr. Jesse Morse, who, again, now we've got people coming out of the woodwork to kind of weigh in because it's, it's interesting. Folks are now coming to the coming to the reality like, yeah, he's not going to miss the season. So when is he coming back? So this is Dr. Jesse Morse, MD. He's the quote-unquote fantasy football doctor on Twitter. Jesse, uh, for our audio listeners, is saying it's within the realm of possibility that Kyler Murray is ready for week one. I wouldn't put it past him. Here's a snippet from his player profile in the draft guide and just goes on to say K1 is a, a rare elite athlete, picked in both the top 10 MLB NFL draft. Heisman Trophy. It just goes on to just basically talk about all of his accolades. And then he did say he did suffer his second hamstring injury, Howard, to your point, in second and three years. This time cost him two games. Hamstring strains are particularly concerning for a quarterback amongst one-third of the fantasy points with his legs. So he, he basically came out and said there's other concerns when, when you're trying to navigate the knee injury. You could be putting more pressure on other joints and ligaments where you're not running fluid like you normally are. And I think for somebody like me who's consistently said, just let him play from the pocket, well, if he's not used to doing something a certain way, then it might be awkward or uncomfortable for him, and it could lead to other injuries, I guess is, is what I'm trying to say. So it, it it is frustrating because I'm sure, Howard, he's going to want to go out there and play as soon as possible, but Jonathan Gannon and Monty Ford are going to need to know, I guess from the Cardinal medical staff, that he, he's 100%. I just don't know how that's going to go. No, exactly. I don't think anybody does. And Dr. Chow, I, I spoke to Dr. Chow today, and he told yeah. me he thinks that week one is totally, you know, unrealistic. Uh, now, you know, who knows? Things can change. But, it, you know, it's 52, 52 days from today is, mm -hmm. is week one. But obviously yeah. there has to be a lot of practice and a lot of that work going on prior to that uh, yeah. to be able to, to play and do the things he's capable of. And even if he wants to be more of a pocket guy, that's great. I mean, that's very important. Right. And But he, it, it, but you still have to move. You still have to be mobile. You know, it's not like, you know, we're talking about this all-world offensive line uh, that the Cardinals have. Right. That, you know, there's – and even, even the best quarterbacks ha have to evade that pressure. They have to move. They have to do this. They have to do that. You know, one thing we saw in OTAs is – and this is one thing I always wondered about the Cardinals in the last few years – is in OTAs and minicamp, they were, a lot of the drills and a lot of the work with the quarterback was ha was having them roll out. Mm -hmm. and, and I've always wondered why they didn't do that more with Kyler Murray. I realize sometimes it cuts it cuts down on one side of the field, but with his ability to, to move and throw the ball on a run and, you know, and all that, I, I think we're going to see more of that in this offense. Heck, even if Colt McCoy's out there, I think we right. can see him rolling out uh, from time to time. But bottom line is, you still have to have that ability and to be totally confident that, Hey, if you have to run, you're, you're ready to take off and make those cuts. I mean, I, I can't imagine what it is in an athlete's mind that first time 
after an injury like this, that he goes out there and just has the same kind of play that he got injured on, where he's just you know running down the field. There, he's just you know there. No one's making a tackle, but then he he slides, but and he's cutting and he does this, and he's wondering, oh my goodness, what's going to happen there? And so you ha- you can't have that in your mind, obviously, at all. And so these are these are all the unknowns that that are a big big uh, part of this. But you know the the one thing I wonder, Johnny, is if let's just say the Cardinals don't put him on PUP next yeah. week. Well, you know what that's going to start. Like, oh, look at this! He's not on PUP. PUP. That means they think he's going to be ready really soon. Well, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll leave the show with it. Yeah. yeah, that'll be up to them to explain it and for Jonathan Gannon to say, well, hold it, we're doing this for this reason, this, this, and this. But there's still a ways that he has to go because I I think they have to kind of dampen that you know expectation that all of a sudden that you know he could be ready a lot sooner than than I think is probably realistic. It's funny you say that because we the flight plan clip aired last week and it was the clip everybody ran with that said that the goal is for week goal. one. Yeah, ideally. And well, who released that? The team released that, yeah, that's and the true. and the and the flight plan clip ended with that, and Bo kind of poo pooed it. But I'm like, that's kind of irresponsible by the team, is it not? This is not Kyler's Instagram, his personal Instagram, or his personal branding, or a YouTube page. The team site put that out there, like to get, I think, to get people excited. And then if you turn around, and then you're like, never mind, it's week eight, like it. They played it safe this offseason and tempered expectations. You then cannot turn around in mid-July with training camp on the horizon. You're trying to sell tickets and get people enthused and kind of give a morsel of hope for the franchise and the fan base by saying, hey, he's shooting for week one, everybody, and then be like, everybody cool it. Have Jonathan Gannon go up there and take arrows, Cliff Kingsbury style. <laughs> that that did not sit well. Like It will sit well with me if he, if, if everybody supports that narrative. But if they throw water on that next week, I'm just going to call BS on the Cardinals, Howard. I, I I will not like that look for Flight Plan, which was otherwise a, a great episode, if they tease that only to be, like, not realistic. Well, you know, two points on that. One, no one pays attention to what he said after. He said, ideally, the goal is week one, but there's a long way to go. Right. I've just got to yes. take it day to day. But everyone talked, oh, ideally, the goal is, you know, the goal is week one. Right. And so that's, you know, that's, you know, that's that part of it. I think, though that a lot will be, you know, hey, fans are going to be out there. You know, everyone's going to be able to see if he is actually doing some things in practice, what he is doing. Now, if all of a sudden we see him, you know, doing doing stuff, oh, my goodness, look at that. He's running. He's cutting. But we don't see that from the quarterback much anyway. And, right. in, in, you know, in training camp, even even when you're even when you're when you're totally healthy. And so I think it just has to be, you know, it, ha- it has to be put, you know, put forward with the thing is, hey, we're doing this because, we're, we're, we're hoping he'll be available as soon as possible. But the only way he's even available to play is if he's done a lot of these t- things or as much of it as possible leading up uh, to that. Uh, because, you know, like you said, w- once, you're on, once you're on that POP, yeah, you can come off any time in camp. But every day you're, you know, not, and, you're, and the funny thing is there's not that many practices. No. In training camp, you know, when you look at that, when you look at it. And so – there's, you know, there's only a certain amount of work to be done. And heck, they want to get Clayton Tune as much work as possible. Obviously, you got to get McCoy work. You know, I, I think I think they like Jeff Driscoll a little bit. And, you know, and he can be a guy that is a stopgap from time to time, especially if, if McCoy ends up starting, you know, at the beginning of the season. And then, 
they have to, and he gets hurt or something happens with him. If they don't think the tune is quite ready yet, you know, Driscoll could be a guy that gets you through, you know, a couple of games. So there's just so much on like, like we've been saying so much unknown with this entire position, even beyond Kyler Murray, that, that has to be figured out during training camp. Champions Outpost Podcast, thank you so much for the $1.99 Super Chat. Very kind. Always working when these are live. Love you guys. We love you, too. Thank you so much for stopping by. Great comments here. Uh, I love this one here. Anthony doubling down on a post I made on Twitter a couple couple days ago. He's saying, JV, K1 will be back by the Cincinnati game. I mean, early October, home game, that feels like a pretty safe time. I put a bow on this conversation, Howard, with this. I, I think we're excited about Kyler Murray returning. We're excited about his recovery going so well because it was it was a detrimental moment for this fan base and the franchise to see him carted off in tears like late last year. And then to fast forward now and, and to think about well, he's gone through a regime, regime change, a GM, and a coaching change, everybody embracing this young man, whether it's for this season, hopefully for beyond. And the fact that like we're going to see Kyler Murray, knock on wood, play meaningful football this year barring something unforeseen, I think is, is a great thing because we saw those rap sheet kind of speculatory tweets January, February, that he could miss most of the season, half of the season. You know, the fact that we're not having those conversations anymore is a is a good thing. The fact that we're talking about only a couple of weeks. I mean, Colt McCoy started a couple of weeks the last couple seasons when Kyler Murray has been quote-unquote healthy, not coming off an ACL tear. So Cardinal fans are, are used to seeing Colt McCoy start three to four games and so i we would love to see him in the opener but realistically speaking i mean i think anybody right now if you could say privately would you sign up for early october cardinal fans would would take that don't you agree with that oh absolutely and uh, no question about it and but you still have to be smart you just can't you know you just can't do it just because you feel that that's the right time and if it's early october if it ends up being two weeks later you know so be it uh, because you want it like i said you want it to be when He's comfortable with the offense when he feels really great about that. He can go out there and play like he's capable of. And, and, and like I said, the, the, you know, the worst thing that could happen would be, would be another injury. And you, you don't want him playing, protecting himself. I mean, Hey, he did that in 2020 also when he injured that sh the shoulder and then he was out there, you know, but, I mean, the reality is the last, those two seasons, as much as there was other crazy stuff going on, going on around the team, he he was he wasn't he wasn't Kyler Murray because of you know playing playing with those injuries and so you don't want a repeat of that especially coming off not only the ACL but the meniscus you know that's you know some some have you know I know there was some you know Ian Rappaport and some others were saying oh the meniscus no big deal well it, yeah it's not an ACL but it still adds to it when you have an ACL also and so that's yeah. the good thing for Zach Ertz is he didn't have anything else. Uh, beside uh, the ACL. So, you know, we'll see. But uh, obviously we're going to be talking about it a lot more uh, between now and whenever it is that he finally gets out there again. Yeah, it's a gamble. Is it a smart gamble? You tell me. BetMGM is a smart gamble. No run first inning sweepstakes. Super easy to get started. Of course, BetMGM is our official sports book of PHNX Cardinals here. Existing BetMGM users, super easy to get started. To get this offer, all you got to do is opt into the promotion. 
Place a no-run first inning bet on any MLB game. Diamondbacks, anybody? Bet no on will there be a run in the first inning. And if your bet loses, but only by one run is scored, but only run one run is scored in that inning, you're going to receive a bonus back, equivalent your stake up to 25 bucks. So again, keeps things interesting. Diamondbacks just took two of three from the Atlanta Braves. You can wager on that and more. BetMGM. We previewed some lines yesterday, some props, some wagers ahead of the 2023 season for the Arizona Cardinals. I'm telling you, Kyler Murray, comeback player of the year, plus 12,500. I put it on Twitter. BetMGM retweeted it. They know it's a it's a dicey proposition. All I think we we deciphered it. Ten bucks wins you over a grand. I mean, it's just K one. Don't bet against them. Don't bet against us. Using bonus code PHNX. There's a few different offers depending on where you live. But for our folks in Arizona, place your first bet offer and receive up to thousand dollars back in bonus bets if it loses with BetMGM. Again, using that bonus code PHNX. Check out the show notes for full details and now listen to our guy Shane Diefenbach talk about it in the disclaimer. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369, New York. Call 1-800-327-5050, Massachusetts. 21 plus to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP-ARIZONA, 1-800-522-4700, Nevada. 1-800-BETS-OFF, Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. 1-800-981-0023, Puerto Rico, in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Kansas, Nevada, New York, or Ontario. The best feeling is going to be this fall hanging out at BetMGM with my PHNX Cardinals cronies and all of you cracking open a cold four peaks, whatever you dabble in. My personal preference, how about the wow wheat? Fantastic. I can't wait to have it on tap. BetMGM or pick it up at your local Circle K. I've got some just behind me. I've got stocked up in my fridge here in the East Valley. It's my favorite beer. It's the only beer. The only beer for us at PHNX. Check them out, Four Peaks. Brew on Twitter, Four Peaks Pub on Instagram to keep with the keep up with the latest Arizona hometown brewery. They've got tremendous appetizers, food. Their chicken fingers are off the chain, and guess what? They're great in the community too. They're giving back this year. They're giving away eleven thousand, one thousand dollar cash grants to one lucky teacher, and they're going to win a huge lounge renovation by Four Peaks again. Let's thank a teacher with our friends. At Four Peaks, they donate school supplies. We've got school kicking off in the coming weeks. So support Four Peaks, support your local valley, support local education. And how about this, Teachers Tuesdays? They're back at the A Street Pub in Tempe every Tuesday through July. So you only got a couple weeks left. Bring a valid valid teacher ID, and you're going to get $4 pints of Kilt Lifter, Wow, Hazy, Hop Knot, whatever you want. Do with our friends at Four Peaks. You got to be 21 years or older to drink Four Peaks, drink responsibly. I can taste the wow wheat now. I can taste the training camp vibes now. I saw somebody in the chat earlier, Howard, saying training camp just around the corner. I smell football. We smell it, too. I want to get to some super chats here. Uh, Mama Marte, 499 super chat. Kime is the only one who set this team and Kyler up for failure. Why is he opening his mouth? Well, let's touch on that. Thank you so much, Mama Marte, for the 499 super chat. Howard and I have not had a chance to, to talk about Steve Kime. So Steve Kime, ex-GM for the Arizona Cardinals, subsequently fired by Michael Bidwell and the team last January, and now has, has made at least a partial transition to a media role of some kind. He's going on Colin Coward. He's going on radio shows. And he's come out and basically said, Howard, that Kyler Murray has got to do some heavy lifting here. What have you made of Steve Kime's kind of second career of sorts 
making comments? Do you think that he's doing a disservice to this franchise, or do you feel like he's got some validity to his comments? Well, I, I think some of them, some there was a, there was a validity in what he said the other day. I think that he went overboard when he was talking about you know people you know when you're making that kind of money, people don't want to hear the quarterback blaming others. And I'm looking at the quote that he was referring to, where Kyler was talking about um, I'm going to be coachable, I'm going to listen, I'm going to do all these things, and then he said, but if the you We all have to look in the mirror. Well, he didn't say they have, you know, everybody else has to look in the mirror. He said, we have to look in the mirror. I didn't take that as putting blame on anyone else. And so I thought it was just weird that he said that specifically. I think some of the other things, I mean, yeah, I said where he, they're in a predicament with him and the pressure's on him. He's right about that. I don't think there's, there's any doubt. And so, like you said, he's trying to fashion some kind of media thing. You know, he did, did some work. I think it was with Fox. Uh, with the draft and yeah. most of the stuff he's done is, is with Fox. And so, but you know, it, when, when people do these things, they, they, they want to make a name for themselves. I mean, yeah. another guy on Fox was on with Colin Coward is Jason McIntyre. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he was just pulling stuff. I'm going, where, where is this stuff, you know, coming from? And he's talking about, Oh, you know, I heard that Kyler Murray's mom did laundry, you know, for him. I said, Oh wow. That's, that's awfully horrible. Isn't it? I mean, <laughs> and you know, he, and the funny thing was, he kept using the word. I, I counted him up. He used the word accountable or accountability five times yeah. in his comments with Colin Coward, and says Kyler Murray has to be accountable. And so I actually wrote today the story's going up soon. I said, didn't he read the quote where Kyler Murray was talking about how much he loves the way things are now? And I know when you, when when you have a new regime, players are going to talk positive about it. I get that. But the one thing he specifically said is that they're holding us accountable. Yeah. He said that. And then now you're going on and talking about how Kyler Murray has to be accountable and everyone knows that he's never been accountable. And I mean, you know, you know, you're trying to bring attention to themselves with, with the things they say. And I think, you know, sometimes they're, they're accurate. Sometimes I think they're just, you know, just, just overboard. And I think that both, both, both those things were, in this, because I think most everyone, the I think the most the thing that most everyone took away from flight plan was that, and Grant again, it was a team produced situation, but it made him look pretty good, and I think the things he said were the things you, you know were the things you do want to hear uh, yeah. from a quarterback. So. You know, we'll we'll see where it goes from here. Obviously, yeah. God forbid Kyler be able to to grow up in his mid twenties. Um, and you know, Steve Kime, who should be a grown up, you know, w- refuses to take accountability for anything he's done. And Kyler Murray, I I think has shown more humility than than I've ever seen from from Steve Kime. And I also think that listen, at the end of the day, I, I'm with you. Like everybody wants to ingratiate themselves to the new coaching staff, well, but I also feel like. Like Michael Bidwell, who is not everybody's cup of tea, had to go down during the in-season hard knocks last year and be like, hey, some of you guys are, are slacking. And while it's ridiculous that an owner is down there saying those things, he had to because the, Cliff Kingsbury wasn't holding anybody accountable. Neither was Steve Kime. It just it, it was almost kind of like the Cardinals just went through last season flying by the seat of their pants. They were not prepared. They, they did not look prepared on most Sundays. And Kyler Murray, say what you want about him, coming from Oklahoma – which Lincoln Riley runs an elite program, albeit the college football level, then coming and watching the Cardinals operations. The one thing I've always said, Kyler Murray came into this franchise. Yes, they rolled out the red carpets of sorts, but he was asked to carry the franchise. And 
not everybody, I made this point before, Howard, like not everybody is Joe Burrow, where they're like a polished, finished leader product when they come to the NFL. Kyler Murray, I think to be able to get the best version of Kyler early, they he needed to be go to a franchise that that had their shit together. And the Cardinals did not, clearly. Steve Kime was not a competent GM, especially in the draft. Cliff Kingsbury, second half of the season, really struggled and couldn't make adjustments, and everything kind of boiled over to this year. But I, I think that, I mean, the Cardinals subsequently of Kime, Cliff, and Kyler, the most talented, most promising of those three is remaining, and that's Kyler Murray. Now, will he be here in the future with that with Gannon? That's going to be up to Monty Austin for it, but they want it to work, and I think K-1 knows that. K He's got his money. You know, he has his legacy at Oklahoma. He had the statue unveiling. He wants his legacy in the NFL. He wants to be able to see this through with the Cardinals and have sustained success. Uh, Benjamin in the chat, nothing irks me more than the unmitigated slander towards Kyler. He is an easy target. Like, that's why people like Jason McIntyre and company are are piling on because it's it's easy to take shots at him. Um, so, again, Kime, it is what it is. I'm sure he's going to be on, you know, radio and TV every time Kyler Murray throws an interception this fall to be able to bang on on this franchise. But nothing cures it like winning. How soon will the Cardinals win? That remains to be seen. How soon, Howard Balzer, will they deal from their own roster? Every single training camp preseason, there are trades, there, there are surprise cuts, right? And there are guys that, as we know, Gannon and Austin Ford didn't hand select. They didn't draft. They didn't sign in free agency. So I wanted to pick your brain as we look ahead to next week and the coming weeks. Who could the Arizona Cardinals trade ahead of the start of the regular season? Maybe to trade to open up a spot, maybe to try to secure draft capital. And really, this is the only group I could come up with, right? There are three guys, I think, that stand out offensively and, or excuse me, four, and then just one lonesome name defensively. I did not put Buda Baker on this list. I refuse to do it. I expect something to get done. I'll have egg in my face if it doesn't happen. But looking at this trade camp candidates for uh, training camp, we've got the two tackles because they have a surplus, Josh Jones, Kelvin Beecham, Rondell Moore. I, I, I hope it works out. Does not fit, I think, what Drew Petsing wants out of, a, out of a receiver. No Cleveland receiver was under six foot last year. Then you have Zach Gertz, which if it's not training camp, could be a popular trade deadline candidate. If Trey McBride explodes and it's his offense, and then you have Isaiah Simmons, who, I mean, say what you want about him, does not have a contract with this team after this year. So maybe a team calls and says, we want to play him at safety. We want to play him at linebacker. Of these names, Howard, which do you think are the most likely to be traded? And did I forget somebody? I, I don't I don't think that you I don't think you've probably you've probably forgotten anyone anybody because there's just not a lot, there's not a lot of attractive players That's right. on this roster. And I, but the thing that's interesting about these guys is that you mentioned Simmons last year his contract, Josh Jones last year his contract. Uh, you know, Rondell Moore, I think the issue is, I think there's some th good things that they can do with him, but he has to be able to stay healthy. So even if you were to try to, you know, potentially look at moving on from him, you wonder, well, what could we really get mm -hmm. until he proves that he can be a durable player who's out there. I mean, he missed a bunch of games last year. He missed some games the, the season before. And heck, that was his history in college. And so it, 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 it you know, it makes it tough. I, I think the Beecham one is somewhat interesting because we don't know how it's going to play out in training camp with that offensive line. And they did bring him back. Uh, they didn't have to. They brought him back on a two-year contract. It's not worth a whole lot of money. He's a good veteran guy to have in your locker room. You know, a solid player. 
And if he's not starting, you know, if let, let's say they decide to go with whoever at left guard. Personally, I think it should be Paris Johnson and put Beecham out there at right tackle because I think you want to put your best five out there. If they have Johnson at right tackle, then who's your left guard? Is it Dennis Daly? Is it Elijah Wilkinson? I mean, I don't know that that would be your best five, whoever uh, the center uh, might end up being. But if they decide to put Paris Johnson at right tackle, you still have Josh Jones as a backup. You know, Beecham, depending on what happens with other teams, with potential injuries or things like that, does all of a sudden another team need a tackle? Well, you know, that's a guy who could step in and start for, for somebody. I don't think you get a lot. And, and so, you know, at most you'd probably get a fifth-round pick. But, you know, he, he could be, you know, a potential guy. But, you know, I think, I think with depth and all that, I think, you know, teams are very reluctant in, the le- in this league, Johnny, to trade their depth. Because, yeah. you know, it looks like you have depth. That depth can disappear in a hurry, which we've seen with this team over yeah. the last, last couple of years because, you know, because of the injuries uh, that, that, that they've had. I mean, they've been buyers in a lot of cases mainly because of injuries. You know, they get Zach Ertz because of an injury to Max Williams. You know, they get Cody Ford because of an injury to Justin Pugh, and then Cody Ford uh, gets hurt. You know, they get Robbie Anderson, who basically does nothing, but they got him after Hollywood Brown uh, got hurt. So th- those are when trades will will often happen. Oh, who's the cornerback? The, the Trayvon Mullen that they yeah. traded for because of, you know, issues they had at corner, and, you know, that didn't work out. So – but you're trying to do things to help to help your team, and some work, and and some don't. Ert, Ertz would be would be intriguing, and I think it's more likely, like you said, if it's after the season at the deadline, you know, something like that. But even if Trey McBride's go, doing well, well, if you trade Zach Ertz, who's his backup? Right. <laughs> I mean, so I, I I just don't know that. Granted, I don't think anybody expects this team to win many games uh, this season. And certainly staying healthy with the guys they have is, is, is paramount. But I don't know that you want to make it worse with, you know, just getting rid of even even more depth and, and then making it even more things they have to address in the offseason. So right. you know, we'll see. I, I'd be surprised if there's, if there's a trade or two. But, hey, you never know. Like you said, uh, you never know. Uh, but, you know, so much, like I said, depends on, you know, how things go. I mean, we heard Kyler say in that, flight plan. I thought one of the revealing things is when he, he talked last year, you know, I had COVID in camp, then I had a wrist injury. I didn't get very many reps. And then we were playing catch up uh, basically uh, the whole season. Then Rodney Hudson gets hurt and everything totally falls apart. It was just, it was just everything that could, that could go wrong, went wrong. Yeah. And you, you have to, you have to have that a little bit of luck, certainly in this league to be consistently competitive. You know, I was talking one day with Jonathan Gannon about this, in the offseason, just as an aside and just talking and talking about how how free of injury that team with the Eagles was last yeah. year. And he said, do you realize that the players we started in week one were all starting in the Super Bowl? Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, that's just, I mean, that just normally uh, doesn't happen. And, yeah. But when you have that, you have a chance to be competitive. You don't, no matter who the coach is, no matter what's going on, you're going to have issues. I mean, heck, look at the Titans who just signed – you know, just signed Hopkins. I mean, they were in first place and were in total control of that division. And all of a sudden, injuries started hitting, hitting. And what I think was it seven? I think they lost their last seven games of the season. So that, that's how things went for that team with a very good coach and a pretty good organization. So 
that's that that's how tough it is to win in the National Football League. Yeah, I looking at that list again, I, I'm with you. I, I don't think a ton makes imminent rationale. I don't think there's there's ton that you can make a, a significant case for outside of maybe one of the two tackles. And uh, I'm with Fishbowl Flash. Like if I'm trading a starting caliber tackle, which is what Beecham and Jones are, maybe Jones a lesser version because we a little bit less proven, hasn't done it for a full season. Like I'm not going to take a fifth or sixth rounder. First of all, the Cardinals have enough draft picks next April premium draft picks. Like sure, they want as many you know lottery tickets as possible, but like Josh Jones could comp, could earn them a comp pick, right? Kelvin Beecham, I think, fits that mindset of the, the kind of person that they want in the locker room and off the field around these young players, around Paris Johnson Jr. I, you know, people are going to call me a hater. I, I think the only name on that list, Mike A, he, he says, of course, Simmons is on there. Let's hear the hate, right. Johnny. Simmons is not on the team as of next year, and he's not a starter right now. Now, would somebody else find value in Simmons enough to pay him a lot of what he's owed this year? That would be difficult because he's making top 10 money. I think that would be the biggest kind of deterrent for somebody to trade for him somebody would have to be convinced that they could put isaiah simmons in a position where he was a starter could be successful immediately for him because he's still you know a very much a project howard in this league he, he right now he's a safety corner hybrid maybe a little linebacker but he's working with defensive backs and then rondell moore to me it's like the only way i'm trading rondell moore is if i'm convinced that he just doesn't have a role and and you know we'll see what he does in training camp I think Greg Dorch has has proven to be a, a more durable player and a more consistent player. And I think this franchise is going to give Rondell Moore and Greg Dorch every opportunity to fight it out in camp, assuming that they are fighting for that for that same job. And I, I, I don't doubt Greg Dorch right now. I just I just don't. And so maybe there's a team that comes calling. We just saw Denzel Mims get traded to the Detroit Lions. He's accomplished less than Rondell Moore has in the NFL. Rondell's got more receiving yards for him. So there, there are a couple of interesting names, but unfortunately, you're getting 10 cents on the dollar to what Steve Kime once paid for Rondell Moore and Isaiah Simmons. And I think the better option is outside of Ertz. If a team came calling for Ertz midseason and wanted to give you something, if you didn't feel like Ertz was going to be a part of this team next year, making you know eight figures, that makes sense. But Rondell Miller didn't make a ton of money. There, there are some avenues that you could get creative. But to your original point, Howard, just the team is not talented enough to start dealing away players for picks that don't come to fruition until next next April. Like if you ask Kyler Murray, he doesn't want to see Josh Jones go, maybe Kelvin Beecham because of what Kelvin Beecham said about him in this offseason, but I think they're okay now. But having four capable tackles, there's certainly a worse place you can be. And there are worse places to be, of course, than Circle K, which is the best place you can be. Convenience for premium gas at not a premium price. They've got the best coffee, beer, snack selection, Love my Circle K here in the East Valley. You need a Polar Pop on days like today where it's triple digits. I'm going to help you out. Do you one better. SMS Subscriber Club is going to get you buy one, get one free 32-ounce Polar Pop. All you got to do, text PHNX to 31310 to join the SMS Subscriber Club. They've also got buy power rate at four for $5 and be entered. You could win and be one of 10 finalists to enter to get a Ford Big Ben Bronco SUV. Tons of good stuff happening. But they're only happening with our friends at Circle K, like a buy two, get one free monster energy drink. If you're thinking to yourself, I'd love to go. I don't know where Circle K is. Head to CircleK.com slash store dash locator to find the Circle K nearest to you. And speaking 
of finding what I need. I'm going to have a seltzer later with just a wink of THC because I'm using wink. W-Y-N-K. That's wink. How high will it get you just a wink? Get it? Summer's not a spectator sport, so grab an ice-cold wink and go play. It's the perfect balance of THC, CBD, because there's an equal dose that's of uh, T- CBD, just like the THC is laid back. Uh, and they're they're like the friend at the party that, that keeps you from going off the rails. You absolutely love to see it. They're the balanced and light and social bubbly, good enough for the room, bubbly enough to keep you on your wits. No third-party producers here. Wink is made in-house. Zero sugar, calories, alcohol, whatever you need. It's got you covered. And it tastes just like your favorite refreshing seltzer. I do love my seltzers. That's why I'm a big proponent and supporter of Winks. It's only available in seven states, though. Arizona, New Mexico, Oklahoma, Missouri, Arkansas, Ohio, and Maine. It's available in either 2.5 milligrams or 5 milligram cans. You can find Wink right here, as I mentioned, in Arizona. Look at look for Wink at all Sunday goods dispensaries here in the Valley. Um, they've got the Botanica dispensary in, in Tucson, which also has you covered with Wink. To get your fastest way to get your hands on Wink, go to drinkwink.com, one of our favorite new partners. So excited to tell you about Wink. Um, so excited to have Howard Balzer and all of you on today. And uh, I, I'm sure everybody's been on social media. Everybody's been roaming the Twitter streets. And, and Howard, it's not a surprise that Dan Snyder uh, is, is having to pay some money, $60 million, for doing some shady business deals that inevitably were a part of why he has to sell the Washington Commanders. But I've gotten a couple DMs, so I wanted to broach this subject with you. Dan Snyder is out. He's he's sold the team, and he was always very much the public enemy number one, not only for Commander fans, but a lot of the national media and NFL fandom. What does this mean for Michael Bidwell, if anything? Because Michael, as you know, has had a tumultuous 18 months yet, and I'm not a Michael Bidwell stan of sorts. I do remember when Bill Bidwell on this team and the, and the improvements that Michael has made, but is it is it time for Michael to step up, and do you believe – He's got a microscope on him from the NFL. That, that's a great question. And I, I think, I don't know if he has a microscope on him uh, right now, but I think that, you know, the league might be wondering. I mean, we've heard these rumblings of stuff. It comes from a guy, Terry McDonough, who, while, you know, maybe he had, there's, you know, a certain amount of credence to what he said. There's also a lot of people who talk about him as a guy that, you know, had a little bit of a, had some issues uh, to say the least. And so the thing with, with Snyder and what happened, of course, with Jerry Richardson with the Panthers is people came forward to talk about the treat the, the, the treatment that yeah. occurred within the organization. We haven't seen any of that yet. I mean, we've seen allegations. We've seen that some certain people were treated a certain way. And, and I, I had heard, quite frankly, Johnny, that – uh, you know, I heard, heard somewhere that there were like three women who had contacted attorneys uh, about possibly coming forward. I spoke to someone who used to work for the organization who said they know of one or two that are considering that, but nothing's happened. I mean, no one has come forward to say anything. And you would think if there was something serious out there that someone and, and, and it was a pattern of these type of things that someone would have spoke, someone would have would have said something. Now, are there NDAs? Are there things like that? So far, we don't know that that's the case. And so, so I think it's one of those things where the league is kind of monitoring, obviously. Uh, the grievance procedure is going forward, you know, with Terry, Terry McDonough. But unless there are uh, some, 
you know, some aggrieved people who come forward, which is what happened in those other two situations. I, I don't know that, you know, that, that there, that there's any real, you know, real problem there. It doesn't mean it won't happen, but so far it hasn't. So it, it, it's hard to say that, uh, that he's under the microscope, at least at this point, unless there's someone who come forward privately and said some things that we don't know about, just haven't done it publicly. So, you know, those are all unknowns that we're, we're not sure of. Yeah. And I think, you know, we had Mike Florio on a couple of weeks ago and I asked him that same thing. And, and he kind of made a point to say it would take an in-depth investigation similar to Dan Snyder. And you would have to start to un- unravel a, a series of dysfunction and harassment um, that would rival what Snyder was, was doing. And I mean, the owners tried to get Dan Snyder out of the NFL for years upon years. Whereas like, like I, there's there's a, a large segment of the fan base that has a has a problem with with the Bidwell family. We know that that's not um, you know a hot take of sorts, but I I don't think the other owners have a problem with Michael Bidwell. I I, I think he's got a good relationship with the with the commissioner. They host Super Bowls for a reason, and um, I I just feel like hopefully Michael Bidwell has taken a, a step back and looked in the mirror and said I need to do less when it comes to the football side of things and do more from the people and the relationship side of things. I need to take better care of my team members, the people that I employ, the people that count on me for a paycheck, that count on me for stability and comfort, training um, facilities and helping people's families, the locker room. You know, I think it, it was a little bit disingenuous, unfortunately, when we saw that big hoopla that went on with the Super Bowl. It's like, yeah, you're taking care of everybody else here as they come and you're hosting the Super Bowl. And then the NFLPA grades come out and you're not even taking care of your own franchise. Um, and, you know, to to his credit, everything that I've heard is like Austin Ford reports to him, but it, Austin Ford's running the football department. Like nobody is meddling in the football department for the Arizona Cardinals that's not meant to be there. And I, I know Cardinal fans haven't seen it come to fruition yet, but the presence of Austin Ford and like a Dave Sears is going to be so significant, Howard, I believe, for this franchise, not only now in the short term, but as we go through the college football season, they start to implement their own scouts, and then we see it come to fruition every April when they draft new players because for so long it was kind of like a boys' club with he and Kime and a lot of his cronies of just kind of deciding, yeah, let's do this, let's do this, and you're hearing the same thing from Dan Snyder and the people that were associated with him, not Dan Snyder himself, but came out and said, like, Dan Snyder would would pick the players, would pick the players to, to draft and would pick the players in free agency and would not help with the scouting process at all. And I, I've heard similar rumblings of, like, Michael had a presence now, and it feels like that that presence has subsided a little bit that he's letting Austin Ford and Gannon do their jobs. And that that's important. That, that's important. I know Jay Gruden, the former coach, uh, John Yeah, that's who, that's who mentioned it. Yeah, he, he mentioned that he wouldn't see a, a shred of tape or anything, and then he'd walk in the room and say, hey, we're – you know, we're drafting this guy, or you have to you have to sign this guy in free agency, and so I, I don't I don't think it's ever gotten to that point right. in the past with Bidwell, where he would just say you've got to draft this guy. We we know that hey, you know, Vance Joseph talked about it last year how he would be in there watching game tape with him, and if an owner's in there to learn the game, well, I I don't have any problem with that. But if all of a sudden they they really start to believe they know something that. that it's important to let his football people, you know, do the football stuff. I, I think you, you mentioned the NFLPA deal. I mean, the Jaguars just opened a new $120 million facility that will have all the offices and locker rooms and, the, and practice fields and all those things. 
you know, the Dolphins, the Vikings have, have, have spent a lot of money in the last three to five years on new facilities. And so I'm going to be real curious to see, you know, what happens along those lines. And, you know, certainly that, you know, it's a lot of money, you know, it's, it's a lot of money. So we'll be curious to see if, you know, some of those things happen, but he, he, he's made these steps and now you just have to hope that, you know, the football decisions are, you know, are, are the good ones. And, you know, so far we're all on a little honeymoon period, you know, I think, but, you know, we've talked about, you know, Heck, those guys you put up on the screen. I mean, what happens with Isaiah Simmons' contract? What happens with Josh Jones? Hollywood Brown is in the last year, you know, of his of his contract. So there, there's going to be, no matter what happens this season, there's going to be a lot of decisions uh, that have to be made uh, when the calendar turns to 2024. Yep, there's a decision right now for all of you. Go become a diehard at gophnx.com and subscribe to this podcast. In the meantime, check out Howard Bolzer's work. He's got a new article coming out. When can we expect that article to drop, Howard? It should, it should be any moment. It might have, it might have even been up in the last uh, you know, while we've been talking. So it, it'll be it'll be very soon. And then, of course, once training camp starts, it'll be you know going big time. And one thing I'm looking forward to doing, Johnny, is a uh, you know a story on Don Coryell. And uh, you know it's, he's going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I'll be there in yeah. camp. Hard to believe. As we leave this show tonight, we'll be almost exactly two weeks away from the Hall of Fame game. Wow. You can't believe it or not. Between the Jets and the Browns, and you know Don Coryell was hired by Bill Bidwell 50 years ago uh, this year, and finally he's getting that spot in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And I know a lot of people here don't know that much about them. Uh, they weren't Cardinal fans then, uh, back in the in the early to mid 70s. But it's a great football story, and uh, I'll be doing some on that within the next couple of weeks as well, along with all the stuff on the current team. A lot of people would argue. I would argue it's one of the best, if not the best, hire that the Bidwells have, have made in the in the tenure of of owning this franchise. He and Bruce Arians, uh, and they subsequently lucked into both, and both went on to to win big with with other franchises. And and you're happy for those folks. You're happy for Coryell's family, uh, and hopefully Jonathan Gannon can break that trend of of a great coach leaving for for greener pastures. We can help you break the cycle of not finding the quality gummies that you're used to finding. It's getting toasty here in the Valley, and we're not looking for forward to that crazy heat continuum, but we are looking forward to what OG's has cooking up in the kitchen. Peak Luminary gummies are here, limited edition. Get them now, fresh tangy and a hint of raspberry and plenty of sugar to help you out here in the summer months. OG's keeping it cool. They've also got the Aquaberry Sleep Edition with the perfect blend of CBN and THC flavor, your dreams with the ideal ratio. Of course, I love the strawberries and cream. They've got watermelon, peach, whatever you need. Do it with OGs. Don't miss out when it comes to flavor and effect. Get your pink lemonade gummies while you can. Check them out, ogbrands.com. Check them out at Instagram, at OGs. You can also find their products at your local dispensary. you got to be 21 years and older to purchase Check him out. He's Howard Balzer, the PHNX Cardinals beat reporter. And uh, what, what do you got for us, Howard, as we exit here, one of our last shows ahead of training camp? Well, that, that's, it's awesome. I, I just checked while you were doing another great read and another great segue. Uh, the, the story is live right now on gophnx.com. Uh, so uh, hope people enjoy it and keep coming here. Uh, we know everybody loves all the stuff that uh, we all do. We're very fortunate. Become a diehard. Join. You're going to get every single piece of content on the website for free. 90% is already free. Pick up a free hat or, and or shirt. Every year you are a diehard with GoPHNX. 
Com. Subscribe to this podcast. We're doing upwards five, six, seven shows per week moving forward into next week and beyond. Audio only, live podcasts, emergency podcasts, in-depth analysis, depth chart looks, everything that you want from the Arizona Cardinals, you're going to get it with PHNX Cardinals. I mean, it's the calm before the storm. Thank you so much to Howard Balzer. Check him out on Twitter. Check out his work at gophnx.com. I'm Johnny Venerable. Bo is back next week. We're back with a vengeance. One more show to cap it off tomorrow. Like and subscribe. We'll see you then.